In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week on the show a very special episode a look back at the nest the thea award-winning show here in los angeles that started off as just a, a little thing in someone's backyard and became a beloved institution here in la mixing escape room and video game tactics in order to create a personal dramatic experience unlike any other pretty much um uh, pretty much on the planet so uh the nest will be wrapping up its historic run uh this summer uh wrapping up in august and indeed uh, we've got a discount code for those who want to catch it before it goes that you can find, uh, if you go, uh, the, the discount code is no pro podcast, pretty much easy to remember. No pro podcast, uh, and it's uh, $10 off, uh, tickets to the nest. You can find links to tickets in the show notes. That's all I was trying to say before I told you the code. But again, no pro podcast for $10 off. And Scout Expedition Company will be offering a handful of behind-the-scenes tours of the nest, so keep an eye out on their social channels for more information on that soon. So uh, the nest uh, holds a special place in our hearts here at NoPro. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we're dedicating this our 349th episode of the podcast to saying farewell, uh, but not not forever. We'll we'll hear a little bit about that as as we go in, uh, and yeah, uh, maybe a little more on the back end. Just want everyone to know, uh, as always, this show was brought to you by our generous Patreon backers, and look, brass tacks. Uh, we need to find a bunch more backers. We're looking for 37 new $5 backers before Labor Day. It's a it's a big, big, big goal, uh, but I think we can do it. Uh, that means for the rest of this month here in July and through August, we're going to be pushing that on our socials. Uh, if we can do that, we get up to 400 and uh, we, make a, we make a nice little dent in the regular expenses of running this. Uh, as you all know, uh, the Patreon is our only source of income, and by R, I mean mine, and we get $2,200 and change each month, and I live in Los Angeles. So uh, those of you who live in Los Angeles, yeah, okay, good. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Our sustaining backers, the people who make this possible every, every, every day, Ari Herstand, Chris Woolman, Eric Shamlin, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Mark Balthazar, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all for keeping me alive and keeping this show going. Um, we'll have more on the back end. Uh, and this is just one big, big conversation with the creative team behind the nest. And uh, you'll get all the intros in a second. So I'll, I'll spare you that right now. See you on the other side. Thank you. 
today we're coming to you from a very special place inside a very special place. Uh, we're indoors in a redwood forest that is also a high school locker hallway that is also a storage unit storage unit of a woman named Josie because we are coming to you from inside the nest here in Los Angeles the Thea award-winning show which after a good run is sadly coming to a close um we've been following the nest here at no pro since its inception since before its current incarnation uh, and I'm so glad uh, that I get to have uh, three of the principal folks involved in this uh, here with me today. Hi there. I'm Jarrett Lance. I'm one of the co-creators of The Nest. Hey, I'm Jeff Leinenweber. Uh, I'm the other co-creator of The Nest. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Fergins, and I am the voice of Josie in The Nest. When I, when I first got to see this show, way back when, it was in your backyard, Jeff. Yep. And that's right. <laughs> and and now, how many years later now? How, oh. That was 2017. Oh, so my goodness. Oh, was it 2015? No, no, it was 2017. Really? Okay. Well, okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Five years. Time though. flies. Five years. Yeah, I know. Just absolutely wild. I know. And I have a very distinct memory of sitting with both of you. Uh, on at my dining table with a couple books that we pulled off the bookshelf, the microphone that we bought off Amazon or whatever. Yeah, a Yeti, Mike, whatever we could hey, find. Hey, hey, don't knock a Yeti. That's what this show is recorded on when I'm not using these it did in the, the job. field. Okay. It, did, it, does, I mean, it, it does the job. It's coming out of an, uh, a cassette player in the it, end, it so <laughs> what does it really matter, I guess? Um, but I remember recording all of that with you just sort of like – you know, off of uh, a couple scripts that we wrote, and it just—it's—it's it's crazy to believe it's been five years since then, and a whole other iteration of the show uh, since. For for folks who who haven't gotten a chance, and they'll they'll, they'll have a bit of a chance as this airs because the run's ending in August, right? right? So there's there's a few chances left, which we highly encourage, we highly encourage folks to to go for if they can, um, and maybe maybe Jared. What is The Nest? What is, what is this show? Yeah, The Nest is an immersive walkthrough experience located just outside of downtown Los Angeles. And essentially, uh, the story is a woman named Josie passed away. And she left behind this storage unit full of kind of everything that she collected in her life. So, uh, you know, from a little girl up until she was an older woman right before she died. So... That storage room has both things in it, as well as a series of audio cassette tapes uh, that she used to kind of document key moments of her life. And the cool thing is that you as an audience member, it's just you and a friend, just two of you, you're armed with a flashlight and a tape player, and you get to enter into that storage unit and look around and kind of uh, find those tapes and listen to them and, and piece together the story of her life as you go through that storage unit. What what was the initial inspiration? You for making a show like this because there's a little bit of there's a little bit of like you folks who are familiar with escape games can kind of see a little bit of that in there but that's not the only that's one of i guess that's one of the influences but what what, what's what are the ingredients here 
Sure. Uh, well, I mean, and I know we've talked about this before when you've had us on the show. Oh yeah, a no. little bit. But uh, Jared, <laughs> but just like as a as a little bit of a recap. I mean, Jared and I both met at Walt Disney Imagineering, so we come from theme parks and that sort of thing. We don't come from a traditional theater background, and so when we were putting our heads together to come up with you know uh, an immersive piece after we had seen Sleep No More and been sort of bitten by the immersive bug, we were like, oh, you know, what's something that we are well equipped to to put together, um, and you know, leaning in sort of like our, our sort of uh, immersive environmental design uh, and, and theme parks like we were talking about, uh, we sort of stumbled on this concept of, you know, what if a, a design challenge, I guess, is of what if you could create a show without any characters and what would that mean? Uh, what if it was completely self-driven? And so uh, if, if the environment were the only thing to tell the story of a character, how would you go about that? And so that along, we were sort of also considering... Um, you know, different venues and stuff like that. So it also came from another angle of like, just logistically, uh, what type of places could we put a show in? And we were naive enough at the time to think, oh, you could do something in like a storage unit. Those are readily available. They're cheap, <laughs> but they don't have any, you know, they don't have any electrical. They have no power. There's a lot of hurdles there, but it did spark us with the idea of like, oh, a storage unit is a great place where, you know, someone has uh, distilled and collected all the things they've collected throughout their life and it tells so much about someone without them even being there and so that's sort of like how it all coalesced in the beginning and part of it too was really inspired by the idea of going to a garage sale or an estate sale or you know any location an attic or a basement um, maybe of a loved one that passed away and looking through the things that they own. And yeah, maybe it is someone that you know, maybe it's a stranger, but by looking through those things without even knowing it, you're kind of piecing together the story of this person in your head. Josie is such a, a particular person, such a particular character. How did, how did her story start to come together? Because even in the initial version of the show, which was in the shed in your backyard like so much of that show is still here in this show the, the absolute the arc the heart of it the, the certain moments when did Josie come to life you know it's funny I it's hard to identify I would say like the exact spark there's not a particular person necessarily that Josie was inspired by a lot of it did come from you know backwards sort of thinking of or like reverse engineering I guess if you will you know this this the conceit of the show being that someone has passed away who had no next of kin or family or friends to pass on their stuff to and that's kind of tragic in and of itself and so from it was sort of from that seed of an idea that we sort of created Josie's character because we knew sort of like what the ending was right is like this person is all by themselves and ha has nobody to pass along their stuff to but how did how did she get there and we also knew from the very beginning that we wanted this not to be some sort of fantastical character or, or journey that like is uh, you know about someone becoming a secret agent or or dealing with aliens like it isn't that sort of story it's it's not s some sort of big summer blockbuster this is just going to be about a fairly regular person who has ups and downs in their life and you know from the moment you walk down that hallway into Josie's storage unit we sort of we want to sort of set that tone or or establish that theme because as you're walking down the hallway you pass by other names on other painted on other doors 
of different storage units along the way. And so there's nothing particularly special about Josie, but, and yet there is. And there, and, mm. and everybody that you're walking by, there's stories to tell uh, behind each and every one of those doors. And you were just happening to, to, to go see Josie. Mac, um, you've performed in theater, you've made movies, you've done VO work in, in for other forms, but, but this is, this is quite different than other stuff you've done, right? I mean, when, when you, when you approached this project, when you, when you got involved with this project, what did you think you were getting into? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this was like a dream project for me, uh, cause their background in Imagineering and creation and it, it was just something I always wanted to be a part of is like a ride at Disneyland <laughs> and most of my work has been in drama and so it was just the perfect blend of like all the film work and acting work that I'd done into this space where not only could I do the drama but also do the range because I've done voiceover where I'm really young and I just got this opportunity to go super young to really old and to play a huge life that nobody would have seen otherwise like in any other form was just like a pure dream for me now you guys were talking about recording on a yeti in, in you know, like your <laughs> kitchen so wh- what was the casting process like like how did how did the squad come together and like who's all involved take us to like Take us to the initial version and like how many people were working on that? What was it like working with Mac? Just tell us that story. I'm just going to sit back and I just want to hear the story of the, of, of the 2017 version. And then, then we'll fast forward to this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the 2017 version was definitely a little bit more of a bootstrapped um, effort. Uh, Jeff and I, right. We come up with the idea and um, you know, we had a bunch of friends help at different points, but really, that version was the like we're painting everything we're we're, we're building everything that. right like we're just gonna make this crazy project in jeff's backyard we're gonna open it for two weeks we're gonna force our friends to come see it <laughs> nobody's gonna want to see it we'll close and then like that'll we'll move on yeah, yeah we're fun. like yeah that was cool. that was a good experience that was All cool right. yeah yeah let's okay let's move on um, but clearly it kind of grew into this thing that was much bigger, which was fantastic. So, uh, for the ca- casting process, you know, we reached out to friends, posted on Facebook, posted on Craigslist. I think we probably got, you know, 20 or 30 submissions, uh, uh just short reads, right. And, and looking at people's portfolios and, and listening to some of their work. But I think, um, obviously like many fantastic people, but I think there was something very special about Mackenzie's voice I think it was as often happens you know right when you you it, it felt exactly like Josie it when we heard her her reading the lines I mean it just took the very basic lines that we had written and brought a sense of life into them and I feel like Mackenzie has that strong ability to make you like hang on to every one of her words and every word is really considered. Um, and I think that that really came through even in the, the audition process and, of course, um, in the final product as well. And I might be wrong, but I think, Noah, you might have put us in contact with Mackenzie. What? No, I, well, deny, well, deny all. <laughs> deny. I was not fishing for anything. I deny, <laughs> deny. I haven't known Mackenzie for <laughs> years. It's uh, true. It's true. Actually, I never would have known about this in a million years unless he, Noah said hey i heard of this project 
that I know you would like to do. <laughs> Why don't you audition? Yeah, I mean, guys, you're blowing the ruse here. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to supposed to be like an objective journalist or something um, and in the beginning i would also <laughs> just say about the casting process like we had originally intended because of course like uh, casting multiple people to play josie at different stages of her life kind of like Mackenzie was saying that there's a big range there so naturally we were like well we're gonna have to find someone who's super young which we did end up doing for like really young josie at yeah. like 12 years old for like a couple tapes but then the rest is all Mackenzie. and in the beginning we were gonna you know find somebody who's older find several different actors but when we t talked to Mackenzie, when we heard her reads we were like she has the range and it was amazing watching her sort of transform just with small little changes like you know you you kind of assume that there's going to be a lot of Almost like a lot of people would think that they would overdo it maybe when it comes to like, oh, I have to be old now. So I have to put on this affectation of like a really, you know, overdo it and, and make themselves sound super old. But Mackenzie would just change the sort of lilt of her voice or put a little bit of rasp on it. And all of a sudden, you know, she was Josie at 50 versus Josie as a teenager. It was pretty amazing to, it to was fun. witness. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Mac is, is the through line through the, through it all but there are there's other voices there's other voice talent involved in the piece so her husband is played by matthew bamberg johnson from speakeasy society and and did you guys do those recordings like t in the room together like so it's like for this iteration yeah we did we were uh, fortunate enough to to upgrade from my living room to an actual <laughs> recording it studio it was awesome <laughs> so, it was yeah. so much fun too because me and matthew were like especially for the fight scene we were just right at each other straight back and forth and it was like being on set on a film and it, or even just it felt real oh, like, so, we so, were going for it so so the original version you guys recorded that separately or yes oh wow yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, i never heard any together. of this yeah i know I know. Again, very forgiving because it's all on cassette tape and we were just overly cautious and recorded more than we needed. So we were able to stitch some stuff together, but it would never it never matched sort of like, yeah, the the the, the reality um, or the authenticity that you sort of get from recording together. How did that idea of of bringing it up onto different cassettes and having those be squirreled away around the space? Where did that come from? I think it was, but uh, we really liked the idea of the core mechanic being like a scavenger hunt or an Easter egg hunt, or it kind of feels like archaeology, like you're digging into someone's past. Again, like going through an attic basement, and that wouldn't be very much fun if, you know, you walk into the basement and everything is laid out perfectly right in front of you, <laughs> right? There is that idea of exploring and that idea of conquest and that excitement of, again, it's like that Easter egg hunt, like, right, walking around, you know you're looking for the tape, and then finding one, like, oh my god, right, like, here's another tape, let's listen to it. Um, but how many people knew what a tape recorder was when you handed it to them? You'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah, more and more these days as people sort okay. of get that reaction of, like, oh, okay, they, they know what it is, they've seen it before, but a lot of people also, I think, kind of put on sort of this oh yeah, I know how to use it. And then you sort of like show them and clearly they've never touched one in their life. <laughs> <laughs> has, it, has it changed any? Because like cassettes kind of come back in the past couple of years a little bit. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Okay. Soon we'll be doing, we always joke that one day we'll be doing like the iPod Nano show, like right in like 15 years. Not that far away either. Mini disc. Mini disc. Mini disc. Do mini disc. Mini disc yes. for the 90s. Spotify yeah. tracks. Oh, you don't even yeah. have to find oh, anything. No. Yeah, no. you just press play once and it just, yeah, that's it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I think I would also just say for um, 
you know, the cassette tape thing, obviously we're really inspired by, in general for the show, but specifically for the cassette tapes, um, video games, you know, like the audio recordings that you find in Bioshock nestled, you know, in every little nook and cranny of the different levels that teach you so much about the world. It's like, and, and it's a, it's a common sort of a trope throughout games to have those sort of moments, right? Like the diary journal entries, right? And so this was sort of like our way of, of taking stuff that we were inspired by from video games and applying it in immersive. Well, there was, there was a game uh, a few years before this show gone home, which yeah. is this, this incredible story. And it's, it, it it's also told through like a series of cassettes that you, I think memory serves like you're finding, you're finding these recordings through this empty home and you're sort of piecing together the, you know, where everyone's gone. You're, you're the daughter who's returned and you're sort of figuring out like, why, why is your family missing right now? And that was one of the things we talked about around like the dinner table in like the pre no pro days with like the, with my immersive crew well, you know, that, that was one of the, the games that we were discussing about, you know, like you know, what if we could do storytelling in real life, like gone home. And that was one of the things when I first saw the first version of the show, I was so blown away. Cause I was like, Oh, these guys did it. <laughs> like they, they brought, they brought that, that broken up narrative. Then you then it's, it's waiting for you to discover. It's a very particular yes. kind of agency. Right. Like the story isn't going to change too much, but your understanding of it will change. Right. So, yeah. And we purposefully uh, make room for you to sort of fill in the gaps. Um, and we're, we try not to be like too prescriptive about the narrative and like tell you, you know, step one, two, three, A, A through Z, exactly what happens to Josie throughout her life. Like there are gaps and we played around with it in the beginning, like, oh, do we do we just sort of like tell you exactly what happened? But it's a lot more fun when you're an active participant and you are sort of you're more engaged. You're uh, you know, when you connect those dots in your head about what happened to Josie, you know, from one tape to another. And depending on the order that you even find them in, um, you, you end up crafting this your own sort of projecting your own image of Josie uh, in, in your head based on your own life experiences. And each one of those interpretations is really unique. So we hear all sorts of sort of uh, interpretations of that narrative told back to us. And they're like, oh, is that right? Is that the right one? And it's all, the answer is always, yeah, yeah, it's right. Because it's what you <laughs> experienced. And it's like, it's, it's special to you. When did you get to see the do the first version? I did. I did both of them. Yeah. You did both of them. So so let's let's save the second one for version for a second. But like, what was your reaction when you went through the first time? <laughs> well, I recorded it in order, so I got really confused because I'm like, wait, this is out of order. We're going the wrong way. We're supposed to be over <laughs> here now. Like, I had a weird experience. <laughs> I was totally lost. Um, and my friend with me was like, well, it says to go here, so let's go there. So. It, it was a, it was kind of a mess for me, but I was. Also <laughs> 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 My you heard it here out. first. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It That's not why we did it. We must have like missed this. something. Oh, yeah, I love That's that. That's what I thought. I really did. I'm like, oh, we, but we missed this part. Where is it? Oh my You're god! Doing it like, all wrong. This art's so good. I really wanted to hear it. <laughs> my god, I don't get to hear it. Like, for reference, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, when you first come in, you uh, this is not a spoiler. When you first come in, you hear uh, Josie's first tape when she was 12 years old, and she first gets the tape player, and then almost immediately after, 
um, there is a, 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 a tape or a section of a tape where she's in her old age, right? So there is huge time jumps in between. And then you kind of hear the, the uh, you learn everything that happened in the middle kind of as you go through. And it is somewhat out of order. Yeah, it's like, it's not linear, but it is, it's emotionally in order, but chronologically out of order. Yeah. Right, for yeah. the most part, it's yeah. separated into almost like three acts a little bit yeah. in, in sections, like the forest that we're in right now. Uh, that's primarily Josie's childhood into her teenage years and young adult sort of life, right? With a few exceptions here and there where we just sort of like, will either because we're foreshadowing something or because we just want to sort of hint at something that might happen later and allow for that sort of connection uh, synthesis starting to happen, promote that from happening for happening in the guests. Um, it's it's fairly organized. It's just you might you know find one tape hidden on one in one corner of the room versus another, and that could slightly influence how you interpret things. When the time came, because the thing about the first version was it wound up being a hit, and I, th- I think how many how many times did you guys wind up extending that like to the absolute oh limit that you could if memory serves i can't remember yeah i mean up to like 250 yeah. sold out shows yes. at one point in time right yeah. i think yeah. it was, it was like about big, 250 a big moment i was having yeah. fever dreams because my bedroom was like right on the back <laughs> in the back of the house i was having these these like i would wake up in the middle of the night and i would think to myself oh my god i've locked someone out in the show <laughs> and i convinced I convinced myself that someone was out there and I just, at the end of the night, I forgot to let them out of the show and I just locked up, turned off the lights and went to sleep. And I mean, so clearly it was spilling over (laughs) a little bit into, and I had roommates too at the time. So it was just like, it was asking a lot to keep going with that iteration of the show, but it did go for a really long time. Well, and did did this, did this thing change your guys' lives? Probably. Yes, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, the the nest itself um, has been a fantastic opportunity, I think, to meet people from all over L.A. with the coolest jobs and right people that work in the video game industry, people that work in the movie industry, people that work in immersive or, you know, whatever the case might be. And so I think it, you know, I think it's both changed how we approach design and right what can be possible right that's kind of like the internal change and i think too there's been you know great really cool opportunities that have come from doing the show um and just you know you'll never know who you meet when you know you're running an immersive show in la and that's it's really cool yeah, and it's it's been really full cir- circle in a lot of ways because the things that we were inspired by in order to create the show like Jared was mentioning like video games gone home what Remains of Edith Finch, Firewatch, we always rattle off the names of those games. Well, all of the developers and all the people who have made those games have since now come to see The Nest and have been oh, really wow. inspired by it, right? And write us about it. And it's, it's yeah, it's it's just this very surreal sort of thing. And Or, or uh, I was uh, at a happy hour uh, several months back where this guy, you know, we were talking about fun things around in L.A. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> Complete, he was like, I, I, there's this show in L.A. called The Nest and you really need to see oh, it. So God. weird moments like that where it's like, I get That's to be amazing. like, oh, I'm one of the creators of that. And it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's just really, uh, I think surreal is re- really the only word that I could think of to capture that. It's its strange. But L.A. is, right, full of people who, all these interesting people who look for cool and weird shit to, to do, right? So. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the cooler, weirder 
things to do. For sure. Moving it here. So 250 in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And then tell us about the the quest to find a home for for a a longer run, a a, a bigger version. Yeah, we were actually designing um, a totally different show at the time. Um, which is still on the back burner. We think it's come, it's coming back. We want to do it. Um, and we were looking for spaces for that other show. Um, but then we got a great tip. We got a great tip to uh, check out this building. Um, and we came to walk through it. And it is, if you haven't been, it's this beautiful 19, uh, early 20th century storage building near downtown L.A., we started walking through it as a location potentially for this other show. And it's like, wait, like this is destiny. This is so cool. There's this amazing elevator ride up to the fifth floor. There's that view that Jeff was talking about before you enter the storage unit of a hallway kind of disappearing into the distance with storage doors on either side. And as soon as we got here and started walking around, it's like, okay, this is destiny. We, we were thinking about doing this other show, but nope. Uh, we have to remount the nest yeah. scrap all the other plans we're doing the nest again because we i mean that original version was always like a prototype and you know we were kind of figuring out what it was as we were building it right um and so when it closed there were tons of things we wished we had improved upon or, or done differently and this was just yeah it was the perfect opportunity so what what went into this? What went into building this version of it? So, yeah, so um, we did a Kickstarter um, that helped sort of fund a portion Thank of you. the project. Yeah, Thank shout out to everybody matters. who backed us back in what was that, 2019? Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, and a lifetime ago. Yeah, remember <laughs> no. 2019 oh, we'll, we'll, before <laughs> 2020. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the, the dark times. times. We'll yes. get to, we'll get to the empire. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Uh, um, but I mean, still a relatively small crew, but way bigger, of course, uh, for us at least. It was about a dozen people altogether um, that were helping us for for everything from carpentry to sort of scenic design. Um, to more tech stuff. We've got a lot more sort of hidden um, technology and, and, and show cues and lighting and, you know, uh, stuff like that going on uh, in this in this show. And if we were way more ambitious with the, all the sets. And so um, we brought in Elizabeth Jarrett um, to help us out uh, on that front. And so, you know, she, she made these trees that we're all surrounded by right now. <laughs> it, really is, it really is uncanny because, like, you know, you, you get up close and you can tell, oh, yeah, 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 this is like, you know, it's, it's it's human made but as you approach you for a moment are like did they just stick trees inside here this is kind of wild and and she really has a great eye for building the outdoors indoors like it's it's, definitely it's a real knack she's got definitely and i think uh, a really cool thing about the immersive community is everybody loves what they do and so it you know it was us kind of putting together a merry band of travelers like on our way to the Emerald City. And so obviously Mackenzie was a big part of the first show. And along the way, you know, Corey Lubowicz joined us as our producer um, and made our 2019 version a lot more professional, um, which is a huge help. Uh, Ian Momi was our tech director, um, also known for Delusion. And Ian does everything. He's great. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of met kind of by doing the show, uh, the first version, 
Um, and we worked on Delusion and a couple other, uh, you know, uh, other people's projects in the immersive world. We just met all of these great, you know, really talented people um, that helped us turn what Jeff was talking about was really kind of a proof of concept show into something that could last for years. What do you feel like you learned making this show? Because like you guys, you, you had hefty careers. Like you were you were at WDI when you were you were first you doing the prototype version of the show. You you've worked on all kinds of projects of every scale and size imaginable. Um, what do you feel like you've learned in this process that that you didn't have before? I think part of it. I mean, Imagineering obviously is a great experience too, but everything in Imagineering is like a multi hundred million dollar project with giant teams. And, you know, that's fantastic. You're building stuff that's going to last for 50 years and, uh, you know, really cool, big stuff. Um, but I think on the other hand, doing, doing something like the nest, it truly is, um, this really small team effort. And, uh, you know, you have to wear every single hat imaginable. I mean, I think Jeff and I mostly, for both 2017 and 2019, mostly we drove trucks around. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> stuff up. we joke that like 90% of what we do is just like move furniture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been a PA. I know what that's yeah. like. Oh, yeah. For yeah. any immersive project, once everything is at the site, like the work is done. Like that is the hard, like getting all of the furniture and all this stuff on site. That is like 90% of the battle. Oh, I remember in 2016, you guys rolled up to like a, a an event that uh, Kaleidoscope and Oculus were doing. Mm. Uh, and like you rolled up with a van full of stuff and then like third rail projects use that to like throw a show together in like 48 hours. Yeah, so, that you was know, a lot like, of fun. And yeah. that's also sort of where um, one of the ideas for the show sort of came from. It was uh, the photo developing thing. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's sort of what was inspired by t- for the interaction that's here at the nest again, without spoiling too much uh, yeah. where you get to sort of experience the magic of developing a photo. My friend who came with me, Totally messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the real process, so it's yeah. prone to, you know. Yeah. I'm like, you enjoy the experience. I know it's going to happen. Then it just went all downhill. <laughs> yeah, but it, w- it was probably a six-month process of building the show. We got the lease in mid-March of 2019, and we opened. That's the good March. Yeah, the good March, <laughs> the good March. And we opened, I think it was exactly on September 15th of 2019, um, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, everybody working on the show had full time jobs. So it was kind of an after an after school, <laughs> you know, off hours uh, project, which was really cool. Um, and, yeah, we started by, you know, shooting the teaser trailer, uh, raising money on Kickstarter and then using that money to to hire some great people and, and start buying some props and and designing everything first in 3D. And then probably a good maybe like probably a solid like three months I would say of like more intense construction um, up until opening. There's a lot of prototyping in the beginning too. I mean, this was just a big blank space uh, when we first came in, of course. And so uh, a lot of time in the beginning was just spent, you know, taping out the layout on the floor, throwing a few cardboard boxes around to insinuate spaces printing out props, key props, right? Hero stuff or codes or whatever sort of interactives that, you know, we had to 
play pretend with for the sake of the prototype and walking through some of our uh, friends who have a bigger imagination who didn't mind the experience being spoiled a little bit to help us work through sort of the kinks because while the show still is the same in spirit as the 2017 version like we talked about before it's a it's really different really when it comes down to it like all the interactions are are for the most part different the layout is super different uh, and we sort of pushed the environmental design a lot further yeah the environmental design is like intense and and there's there's more there's there's more rooms more more beats in the story more world more world Yeah. yeah mac when did you get to how late in in this run did you get to come and see this version of it i went pretty early actually okay. yeah um i was just dying to see i i kept wanting to get in here to help and then i was like oh no i just i just want to see it next time i'm helping 1000 percent. i don't i don't know if you guys know this but i have a huge background in visual art and like creating sets and all the, all this stuff so by the way, I'm joining the crew. <laughs> she, she You're was, hired. She she was in for visual art before she went to acting. Yeah, so that I was. was. That was her, that was her bag. That's why I, I so wanted to just experience it because I was like, this this really is like the Disneyland thing I've always wanted, except it's deeper and it's it has more meaning and, it, and it's heartfelt and it's such a unique experience. And I was just blown away. So the second time around, I was like, holy damn, this is it. This is the, this is the shit. <laughs> I'm a part of this. What? <laughs> why are you closing it? <laughs> Just to yeah. drop that one in. Why? Why are you guys closing it? What? Why? Like, I mean, I'm. I'm it's a fair question. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the nest has been absolutely amazing, and it's been an absolutely amazing experience for. I mean, thousands and thousands of people to go through at this point. Um, I think it's time for us to do something new and. Not that we couldn't do something new at the same time. It's just a little bit hard. I mean, the nest is great. We still love it. It still takes um, a decent amount of time to keep it going. And it's just, you know, some things are meant to be ephemeral. You know, we we could, maybe we could keep it going for years and years and years and it would slowly decline or whatever, but we want to... End on maintain- a high note. Yeah, we want to maintain the best version of the show and you guys are finish still, it out. You guys, you guys haven't just you put a, a B team on it to run it. You guys are still part of the operations here as well, right? Yeah, we do have a great operations team. Um, we have uh, six or seven staff members, uh, and they're led by Roby, who, Roby Johnson, who's great. Um, he's the operations manager, so helps us with scheduling and box office management and that. So obviously that takes a huge part out of, off of our plate. Um, but we're still involved of upkeep and uh, trying to improve little things here and there and, and just sometimes take care of, of any little audience issues or something, not issues with the audience, but say, right, like, so, <laughs> right. Something comes up, something broke, whatever the fact, you know, yeah. that type of thing, right? Still Ticketing making sure that it maintains can, yeah, a level of quality. Know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was just a little thing I wanted to say about it closing is that <clears throat> I go to Burning Man a lot and there's something so beautiful about seeing a piece of art that just touches you deeply and you'll never be able to see it again because it's going to burn the next night. It's just, it, it gives it a weight and a value that would never be there if it ran forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I think that's what's so gorgeous about the fact that we are closing, even though I'm sad. 
depending on that. No, I think we, I was just looking at it today since I knew we were recording, and I think we've had about 2,000 <gasps> shows in this iteration, a little bit more, actually. And so you consider... Up to 4,000 people. Yeah, yeah. up to 4,000 people, because most people are groups of two. So, yeah, we've had a lot of people come through this storage unit uh, in a relatively, you know, short amount of time, because with the pandemic and everything, I think maybe 15, maybe tw- we've... 20 months or so we've probably been running this version um so i think there is a bit of a feeling too of i guess it's kind of what i was describing before but there uh there is that feeling that like sometimes the forest needs to burn down a little bit and then in a not in a human caused way in order for (laughs) you know beautiful new things to regrow and i think the 2017 version is an example of that like yes i guess technically we could have kept running the nest for 10 years out of Jeff's backyard, but then <laughs> he would have <laughs> not been happy. Yeah. Uh, he would have been. His landlord probably wouldn't dig it Delusional yeah. of yeah. thinking that he left people in the back room. <laughs> and we never would have been able to create this version. So I think, again, uh, you know, it is a bittersweet moment. Uh, we love the nest. It's great. You know, thousands of people have loved it too. But yeah, it is that same, it's that same cycle repeating. It's by closing this, It kind of allows us to refocus. We have other projects that we want to work on, you know, put our energy into that. And then maybe the next thing will be, you know, even cooler, right? Or or not even cool, but just different. Well, and I I think the thing I'm getting from this and and that is, I'll admit, like I was even a little worried about is that just because the nest is closing doesn't mean that Scout Expedition Company is disappearing from this earth. So oh, absolutely not. Yeah, in fact, the opposite. Like, I think Ooh. the nest has, you know, it, like we were saying before, it does take a lot of effort to run. And it, it was never designed to be this, like, perfectly oiled machine that runs itself and that we can just sort of, like, put on auto, autopilot and then, you know, set it and forget it type of thing. Uh, it is a very, you know, organic show that runs on old technology and, you know, people, you know, coming in and making it work uh every single day um and so it just it's a, it's very it's time consuming and this is time that we could spend a, in other places like developing our other shows that we sort of like have in mind and so i think that sort of just paired with the feeling that we had that you know the show has had a really long run we've had a ton of people come through and that's enough like and that's and that's great and that's uh, amazing and we couldn't have asked for more and it just felt like the right time there was just a moment where uh, i think Corey, jerry and i just sort of were talking and we were like it feels right right like this is it i think this is it and mm. you know th- it happens all the time in life i think and felt right for the nest it reminds me of actually as we're talking about it like even just the the memory room which if if people don't know again i guess this is a minor spoiler there is a coda there is sort of this this scene um or this this moment after um sort of the experience where um we ask uh, we ask audience members to leave something behind um and in, in this case, it's a memory that they have to write down that we sort of in the prompt say is a memory that is sort of on the fringes of your mind, something that you're just about to forget. It could be a smell or, you know, some, uh, you know, a sound or just a feeling uh, that you've had because so much of the show is based on, you know, Josie's struggles with memory loss and and um, clinging on to those. Um, and so 
something about it also just reminds me of that, you know, that um, these these memories of, of even the nest are not going to last forever. And that at some point we sort of just need to close the door. Yeah. And on the note of technology that Jeff was talking about, I think we've probably bought every single tape player in the existence <laughs> on Earth. So we're out. Yeah, they keep breaking. They keep breaking. They're, so we're, yeah, we're done. We got to close. There's no tape players left on Earth. Yeah, we would. We'd keep it going forever if we could. Oh, my God. But they're just they're gone. Come on, Panasonic. Open that production line back up. We hey, need those tape players. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We should have asked them for sponsorship money. You know, <laughs> next time, next time. In the revival 10 years hence, you know, yeah. Um, the Nest Edition the ne- of the Panasonic. Oh, yeah, there you go. Get some branding opportunities. Yeah, come with all the tapes. That, yeah, there idea. it is. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, maybe we'll, we'll delete this part. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, air this part. Um. Speaking of memories, um, any any goofy memories from the run that stand out? Like anything? Uh oh. Oh, so many, so many. Okay. I mean, uh, even just we, we, you know, we were talking about the the process of building the show. When we say that, like, we were working to literally the last second. I mean, the first show that we had on, in, I think it was September nineteenth of twenty nineteen, or some sometime around there, September twentieth, maybe. Um, our first guest, who, if I'm not mistaken, was Brian Bishop. I'm almost positive. I <laughs> think it was Brian Bishop. He, I think he was the first show, and he was coming up the elevator, and we had five people in this room gluing stuff down oh. and like putting the final touches as they were coming up, and we had one person shouting down the hallway, like, he's 10 seconds away! <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we were, it was down to the wire. So, like, I, I mean, it was a group effort, and we, yeah, there's so many, I guess, moments sort of like that even the memory is, is he gonna is he gonna find about. out about that for the first time when he listens to this i mean it's not surprising any show like this <laughs> well right, yeah is but like, like... <laughs> um is kind of thrown together and there's always like those things that you're trying to push to get done even the memory room like i think we why we get so many people who are like oh that was the best part of the experience and we're like jokes on on you because we designed it 48 hours before we opened the show <laughs> <laughs> um i mean like and it, and it turned out to be just so simple and elegant i think Corey had come up with the idea of like oh you know Josie has given you something now you should leave something behind as well and it's such a solitary experience you know being you know by yourself in this storage unit with one other person it's so intimate but then you forget there's been almost 4,000 people through here and sort of in that moment at the end is the, the the thing that reminds you of that so it ended up being amazing but you know like a lot of things they just sort of get thrown together and that pressure at the end is the the only thing that sort of forces you to come up with little solutions. I think maybe one of my uh, round throughs might have been the most calls of help <laughs> needed though. Sure. <laughs> there's so many uh, there's so many stories and about that sort of thing. I mean, and it's okay that audience get lots of phone calls. I mean, it's built into the experience, you know. So there's no winning or losing or doing well or doing poorly but sure we have plenty of moments i mean i think that we had a sliding door that was over there where we had a lot of people you know try to pull it over and over and over again and the only clue we could give them is it's a sliding door (laughs) yeah yeah and they would just be like oh Oh. okay goodbye (laughs) thank you (laughs) click um i think one of my memories is 
st- I remember standing in an old apartment many apartments ago. This was again right before the first version of the show, and we had filmed or sorry, we had taped the first tape with Mackenzie. And I edited it on, you know, GarageBand or whatever it was at the time, saved it onto a cassette tape and listened to it on the tape player. And that was really the first time hearing it again, like every the tape all put together. And I totally remember it's like that low fidelity quality of the audio cassette, like the crackling, the amazing performance, right? It all just comes together and like the hair on the back of my neck is standing up and I'm like in my room, like right alone, it's dark, it's night. It makes it a little bit spooky. And I just remember thinking, okay, right? That's the moment. I remember that moment specifically being like, this is gonna be awesome. Mac, when you think back on this, like in a few years, what do you think you're gonna remember the most? Hmm. Just this world. This world has such an impression on you. Like, if you haven't seen it, please come see it so you know what I'm talking about. But um, it's just, it's magical. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And it just stays with you. So I think, I think that just that it's like that taste of your favorite dish that they make at that restaurant only during the season and you just want to go back and have it but it's only there for that short amount of time i'm i'm torn because on the one hand i'm really sad for all the people who won't get to ever do this and there's this is the sort of the the fundamental conundrum of immersive is that like the throughput's always going to be small like even even when you deal with something on the scale of like a Meow Wolf, it's still nothing compared. Like a Meow Wolf in a, in a year does, you know, like Disney will do that in a month. You know, like, right. you know, it's just it's so many more people. Um, but the fact that you guys are sticking together as a as a concern and that you'll be like like as if the nest was a seed and and now what's going to blossom out of it that I'm very excited and and hopefully it means a, a lot a lot of people in all places. Also, I I I keep on hoping to see more people take on this as like a form. Like there, there's there's bits of it, right? Like I feel like some of this sort of storytelling you can see in in what Mia Wolf's done in Vegas, and and I haven't been to to Denver yet. And like this idea of you know active environmental storytelling that's that that also has like a, a, a semi-linear component, like something else is pushing it along, you know, or like your more elaborate escape rooms. But there, there hasn't really been anything quite like this that I've encountered. Have, have, it's, it's weird to ask you guys this, but have you, have you seen anything kind of Not, in that, in this vein? Not really. I think probably the best example you touched on at the beginning, it is, it's really video games and it is our inspiration for the nest and for probably just about any project we've ever worked on. And I think it is, you know, gone home firewatch, what remains of Edith Finch. It's those, you know, um, sometimes called walking simulators, essentially that solo experience, you know, those are huge influences. And I think, you know, even in terms of immersive, right. I'm there's, there's, 
a decent amount of us immersive folks that are like this. But, you know, when I go to Sleep No More or another big immersive show, I'm the one, you know, running away from the actors so I can be in the rooms alone by myself and pilfer <laughs> through the drawers, right? Everyone's running in the other direction. I'm like, I did the same. I, yeah, as soon as the actor's in the room, I'm running out and going to the other space. And so I missed the candy room the first time because I was following the actors and someone was like, I missed two things. I missed the candy room and I missed the blood orgy. And I came out and they were like, oh, yeah, did you see those? I was like, there was a candy room. What? <laughs> what? I got to go back. Got to go back. And I did. For the candy room. Totally. But, but yeah. not the blood orgy. Oh, also the blood orgy. Yeah. No, I found it. Everybody I sure, I mean, knows about the blood orgy. Everyone knows about the blood orgy. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's great. It's your typical. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you know, no, standard sleep no more. Right, exactly. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you see the trend of um, those types of video games continuing to, to sort of flourish. Um, you know, you have all sorts of. That I think in the beginning with those games that we've mentioned a million times is like that was sort of the beginning of of that. Um, not the beginning, of course, but like uh, it was it was sort of the beginning of the rise of those types of games, and that has only continued since then. So I think in terms of what I experience on a daily basis, that's the most like the nest. It's in that sort of realm. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to crack into a well, what's next type question because I you know, there's secrets to be kept and surprises to be had. Um, but I guess I just want to, I just want to end on a note of thanking you all for making this and for keeping it alive through the pandemic, even, you know, like the, I think the biggest fear a lot of us here had was like, you got to run it for a few months, about four or five months. And then March of 2020 happened. And there was that moment of like, was that it? Was that all there got to be? And when it when the nest came back and particularly because it was always going to be like, well, just two people, one or two people go at a time. I was like, Oh, this nest is perfect. You go with your pod. So it was, it was also a relief to have, have this be here and, and, and letting people connect with the form in a time when for a little while there, I think there was like nothing else in the form that was running in town. Yeah, it was, I mean, fortunately, I suppose uh, in some ways, yeah, the, the, the nest is very sort of, covid friendly in a way or at least it could be that thing that um people who are apprehensive about going out fully to go to an immersive show where you're going to be packed or you know in a concert or anything like that this is very you know you could be you could rely on it being safe that we would you know you have no contact with other people or very little um with a check-in staff before and after but otherwise you're by yourself yeah. Um, and we extended the schedules and all that. So it just ended up working out um, in, in that regard. And it was weird, you know, coming back after all that time. Uh, again, in that memory room, we had like a little stamp that you would stamp your card with, with the date. Mm. And when I went back in, I looked at it and it said, I think, March 18th. And this was like, a, you know, a year and some change later. It was a weird, weird yeah. moment. But but you, but be, because of the way this is structured and because of what it is, like you're able to like keep the spark of, of immersive alive here in LA. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And we, we definitely have stuff on the horizon that we're working on. Oh yeah. I don't want to end on melancholy point. It's like, you know, it's like, we will be back. Good. In we different will forms. Be back. Nice. I feel like you never know about the nest. It could come back someday. I want to leave the door open just slightly ajar. <laughs> 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 I, I kind of think it will too. And that's not projecting any specific plans but yeah. uh, it's a really cool format we think that there's ways to 
uh, there's definitely ways to improve it. Just like we did between version one and version two of the show. I would love to someday make a version three. I mean, maybe that's not the next project we do, but we could definitely make an even cooler version of the nest and bring it to more audiences. I think definitely find a way to get more people through it without reducing the quality of the experience because it is like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, like the ideal immersive experience, it is oftentimes just you or just you and a friend, but how do you translate that into something that gets greater throughput so it can be appreciated and, and loved by more people. And so we have some ideas how to do that. We haven't implemented anything yet, but yeah, I feel like the nest it could it could definitely have a future. And again, this is not yeah, this is not projecting anything. It's just December twenty twenty four. No, it's not here to announce. We're taking it on the road. No. Throw it in a storage unit. Yeah. It's gonna be in the back of a truck now. So I mean, we've thought about yeah. it. Oh, yeah, truck sure. and bus tour. <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah, we thought about the truck version. Who knows? Yeah, have yeah. some drawings for that from long ago, but didn't make sense at the time maybe never say never yeah exactly yeah. exactly but that's that's the good thing josie will be back josie will be back all right that's good that's a good place to end it on thanks y'all thank you thank you thank you so much Once again, I want to thank Jarrett, Jeff, and Mackenzie for being our guests on the show today. You can indeed go find tickets to The Nest at thenestshow.com. And when you do, when you do, uh, use the code NOPROPODCAST to get $10 off. Uh, It is closing this August. So please, uh, if you're here in LA, take the time. Or if you're coming to LA, take the time. Uh, to catch it before it's gone and keep an eye out for those behind the scenes tours. Uh, something that uh, well worth the time. All right. Uh, those of you who know uh, tickets for the dig, the Denver immersive gathering are on sale right now. Wait, for those of you who know, why would I be telling you if you already know? Oh, what I'd be telling you is that they're starting to go. They're starting to pick up the pace on sales. Uh, We've got about a third of the VIPs are already gone. Those are the tickets that include David Byrne's Theater of the Mind, which is presented by the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, The tickets are at their lowest price they're going to be uh, for this event that is coming up November 4th, 5th, and 6th in Denver that will include tickets to Meow Wolf's Convergence Station. Uh, We're going to have Rabbit Hole recreation services open for our guests uh, to go check out their legendary escape rooms. There's going to be uh, independent Denver immersive creators who are putting on work that will uh, be part of all of this. And the Denver Film Festival's XR exhibition is going to be a part of the offering. All that plus the creative leads on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser are going to give a talk about how they pulled all these disparate different techniques together to create the most ambitious immersive experience yet. Uh, so all of that and more, and the ticket started just 150 bucks uh, for the standard ticket and 250 for the VIP, which includes theater of the mind and priority ticket pulls on everything else. So uh, take a look at that. Give it a shot. Uh, Find that in the show notes. The Denver Immersive Gathering 
uh, the dig is going to be quite the event and uh i'm really uh happy with how it's coming together uh unlike anything else we've we've been a part of before so um uh yeah all right uh this is as i mentioned at the beginning of the show episode 349 that means the next episode is episode 350 you know that on the anniversary episodes we like to do something a little special and uh, we're going to get the team together we're also landing this right as we're entering into the july 4th holiday so we are taking a bye week next week to give us enough time to get the team together without driving them nuts. Uh, and then we're going to have a team speak episode uh, for episode 350, uh, talking with the crew as it exists right now, taking a look at the immersive scene as a whole. And then we've got a lot of amazing interviews lined up for the rest of this summer. And then uh, come the fall, uh, we might mess around with some format changes. Uh, not committing to them yet, but just flagging right now. The kind of thing that I would have liked to have done around 350, but it's, it's been just kind of chaotic year. So uh, this was an idea I came up with about a month ago. Uh, it'll be nothing too radical, but something that just might make a little bit of a better, better rhythm. Uh, probably no fewer episodes than we currently have in fact it might actually keep the rhythm going a little stronger uh, as you noted uh, there wasn't a review crew this week and that's one of the things i'm factoring in when it comes to hey how's the rhythm on this show going and, and the feed as a whole so that's something we're looking forward to this fall um all sorts of other shenanigans are uh, in the works but indeed uh, if you want us to keep up with the shenanigans, if you want us to keep up with the review crew, with the rundown, with the call sheet, with everything we do with everything immersive, um, help us spread the word about the work. Uh, I know a lot of you give already. Uh, you are the, the dedicated and the diehards. So uh, I'm not trying to squeeze blood from the stone. But if you can spread word about what we do, uh, we're getting more traffic than ever, which is really great. And the more people who know about all the things we do means the more people who know about all the stuff that we cover uh, and that rising tide just lifts all boats. And hopefully a few of those people, they, uh, they chip in because um, God knows we need it. All right. Patreon.com slash no proscenium to help us out. Uh, that's it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get the newsletter out for the week and then uh, run away for a couple of days mentally, if nothing else, if not physically running away. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I know a couple of you caught, uh, caught the COVID uh, this past week, and uh, I wish you a swift recovery with no complications. Uh, that's something I don't, I don't want. Uh, I, don't, I don't want anything bad happening to you. So there. Um, I get very, very protective of my friends, my family, and my community. So there you go. All right. The associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella. The music for No Persimmon is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And everything that's wrong with this is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.